0: Welcome to the Building Sustainably podcast, where we explore building high-performance, sustainable homes. Join us each episode to hear from top industry experts on green construction practices and innovative home designs with the core purpose of positively impacting people's lives. Here's your host, Tim O'Brien. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Building Sustainably with Tim O'Brien Homes. I'm your host, Tim O'Brien. On today's episode, we're going to do a solo episode today, and we're going to discuss uh, the, the, what's going on in the supply chain for our industry, um, what we refer to as, the at this point, a fractured supply chain for the housing industry. We're a little over a year into the pandemic, and uh, the supply chain concern just continues to, to challenge our industry, as well as other industries like automotive and, and any other durable goods for the most part. Um, for example, I mean, I just recently picked up uh, a new truck for our company here in early April. Uh, a truck that we ordered back in October, so nearly six months of waiting for a vehicle um, that two years ago I could get in sixty days. So it's it took three times longer than normal for the uh, GM to produce this truck, uh, waiting for their supply chain to catch up with them. Uh, in talking with the dealer who we bought the truck from, they shared with us that there's over 18,000 trucks sitting in Tennessee, all finished, but waiting on a $1 microchip that comes from overseas and that drives the electrical components of the vehicle. So 18,000 trucks waiting on a $1 microchip. That's what we're working with today in our global economy. I guess I should be happy. I received my truck. rather than waiting another two to three months. Um, but let's get back to housing. Uh, I want to give our listeners some perspective first and, and kind of how we got to this point for the housing industry. Um, it's really started quite some time ago. And let's start with a little bit of a history. Uh, conditions for where we're at right now actually started uh, back in the Great Recession. So, so back in the mid-2000s, uh, we had a housing boom. And we had manufacturers invest, start really investing in plants, uh, developing more manufacturing plants around the country just to keep up. Uh, the data that I'm going to share with you today is from, on the housing side, is from the U.S. Census Bureau and the U.S. Department of, of Housing and Urban Development. So that's where I'm pulling these numbers from that I'm going to share with you today. Um, back in the mid 2000s, just before the housing recession, we were producing the housing. In, housing industry was producing nearly 1.3 million new single family homes each year to match roughly the 1.2 million new household formations. So with population growth, uh, we continue to have to resupply and supply additional housing, but also resupply. On average, there's about 300,000 homes a year Uh, that get uh, leveled or demolished in order to produce new housing. So some of these stats uh, account for that. There's another essentially then uh, roughly 900,000 new homes that are built on brand new uh, home sites, new land and such. So again, 1.3 million we were producing roughly on average single-family homes uh, during the mid-2000s. In February of 2006, so just before the recession, the industry hit over 1.8 million starts, 1.8 million, which is way ahead of the new household formations. And with that, it, it actually took us, as we went through the recession, it took nearly three years for that inventory to catch back up with buying demand, in addition to obviously the foreclosures and such that was on the market. This recession gets deeper, right? It hits, it gets deeper. We're by February or March of 2009. Actually, let me step back. So our recession for us, we say, is roughly late 2007, early 2008 is really when we started to feel it in the housing industry. By February and March of 2009, we were starting less than 400,000 homes per year. So that's a drop of roughly... 80% of single family housing starts in 30 years, significant decline. And with that, it took us nearly 10 years from that point to get back to 1 million new home starts per year, single family new home starts per year, while housing formation stayed roughly the same, that 1.2 million per year. So we were underproducing housing for new household formations for nearly ten years. So where where did all those people go at this time? Well, uh, renting uh, was multifamily was was booming, was doing really well. Um, the other thing that kind of came out of the with the Great Recession is uh, those those of the the younger adults that were um, entering the workforce uh, were not finding jobs. Um, some of them had coming out of college had college debt. Uh, so if they weren't going into renting, they were moving back in with their parents. So a lot of these uh, household formations that really look for single family homing, homes really stalled at that point. Uh, also, too, the the entry level buyer market, the affordable home buying market, was nearly decimated right after the recession started uh, for a couple of reasons. One that I referred to as uh, people couldn't uh, find a job out of out of school. Uh, whether it's high school or college, um, people uh, had debt that uh, they had to work through. So again, moved in with parents or did renting, but also stricter stricter lending guidelines uh, along with the job market found many of those people moving back in in with parents or uh, cohabitating with a group of friends uh, in a rental unit. So as the recession came, The manufacturers of these durable goods, a lot of the products that go into homes, they had been building all of these plants, these brand new plants, like I had mentioned to you, automated plants around the country. All of these capital improvements just stopped. Uh, A lot of these plants uh, began actually having equipment installed in them and stopped. Um, Manufacturers had to essentially you know, reconvert these into warehouses that they could sell to other peoples who were not so impacted by the the recession. And all of that manufacturing capital that they had was essentially became a loss. Um, the manufacturers uh, that were related to the housing industry lost a lot of money uh, in addition to losing the housing start. So it was, it was kind of a, a double hit for manufacturers that are involved in the housing industry. Housing's slow recovery over the next decade, so essentially uh, the 2010 to 2020, uh, was was at a pretty decent pace for most manufacturers. They, the existing plants that they had were keeping up. Um, they really didn't have much capital improvement that was needed. And uh, they had a balance, essentially, in their productions and their ability to, to, to source raw materials. So they were pacing pretty well. Uh, and again, we still at this time are not hitting the 1.2 million household formations that we as an industry have historically been able to keep up with. In addition to this in the post-recession, uh, labor, our labor force never really fully recovered. Um, that too was decimated during the recession. Again, going from you know roughly 1.2, 1.3 million single family starts down to 400,000 starts, um, really... Reduces the amount of labor needed to build the homes. A lot of unemployment in our industry. Um, they these these tradespeople and as well as uh, production manufacturer labor uh, for our industry left the industry. Whether they went and got some uh, education to join another industry or they just left and went to a different industry, they they did not come back. So we've been working hard on rebuilding the labor force uh, in the housing industry. For over a decade now. And most of you might be familiar with uh, Tim O'Brien Homes. We we actually participate with three local high schools here in the Metro Milwaukee area and one high school in Madison where we have a building trades program that the school puts on and we essentially provide the learning center. We build a house with the kids, roughly 12 to 15 uh, kids per fall semester, In these four high schools that we work with, are involved in building a home from the ground up. They get an opportunity to work side by side with our trade partners, and that has uh, helped uh, at least gain more awareness of the opportunity of the skill trades uh, uh, career in our industry. And our trade partners have hired some of those kids out of high school, and 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 it's been a really good program not only for the schools and for the kids, but for our industry. But it's it's nowhere near uh, what we need, so we're still working through a skilled labor shortage in our industry. But again, with roughly 700,000 home starts on average during this time period, we were able to keep up. So now I want to talk about kind of three to four years uh, post-recession. Household formations, like I mentioned, are continuing, but the number of housing starts still are kind of sputtering through the next few years until we start to see more of a sustained growth in late 2011. So roughly, uh, four years after the recession hit, we started to see some sustained growth in single-family home starts across the country. But still, no entry-level home buying market at this time. Builders were not focused on that; they were focused more on uh, the first-time move-up, second-time move-up buyer. Those buyers who who could get loans, who had uh, equity in existing homes that they could sell. Uh, but still, the entry-level market was was nearly. Uh, non-existent during this time, builders moved away from this entry-level housing, which just left this key demographic hole. In 2015, multifamily construction hit their 20-year peak of roughly 500,000 new units built. Um, you know, younger the younger generation was finding that uh, their view of the American dream of owning a home like their parents did. Uh, did not have that same level of desire or passion for them. I mean, they lived through a Great Recession where they saw, whether it was their parents or their friends' parents, lose their homes, and that made an impact on them. They did not really have much interest in home ownership. They decided that uh, having the flexibility of renting or the ability to be able to uh, move in other geographic areas without having to, you know, Uh, purchase a home, get a new loan, all of that stuff uh, was more um, palatable for them. It was something that they felt uh, was more, allowed them more flexibility, uh, gave them a little bit more freedom. And so they were still kind of this uh, moving around generation that weren't really interested in being in one fixed location for a period of time. Um, We still, as our housing starts, started to come back online in that around that 2015 Time frame, we started to see the skilled trade gap was increasing. So we were already working through uh, bottlenecks in our home building operation, most particularly with uh, the framing contractors. The, so the, the ones that are building the shell of the home. And uh, a number of others that uh, basically essentially build the building envelope, signing contractors, roofing contractors, and even our trim carpenters. The mechanical trades did pretty well, but a lot of the other trades, though, we were still struggling to source. So now I'm going to fast forward to March of 2020, last year, and the pandemic now becomes a full-on reality for the United States, for the globe, for, for for the entire world. Um, it, in, and we start to see states and local municipalities, um, you know, doing the shelter at home or, or, or a shutdown or whatever you want to call it, essentially um, forcing uh, people to kind of not go into into uh, large group areas to stay at home. Kids coming home now to uh, do school virtually people working from home. And, and just prior to this time, our housing was starting to get closer. Household formations were still 1.2 million. Housing starts were starting to get uh, close to that 1 million mark. Actually, at the end of 2009, uh, 2019, we hit 775,000 annualized single-family starts. So just about a quarter of a million short of 1 million there. And we were just starting to to catch up. The housing industry at this point, mid-March, began to prepare for the worst. We thought, globally, everybody thought, housing is going to stop. We're going into the spring selling season and uh, very seasonal operation that we're in. And for most of our country here in the United States, uh, is spring is when sales pick up. And then manufacturers are delivering a ton of product over the summer months and into the fall months. When manufacturers saw what was happening, they too started to shut down plants. They started to slow down production. They really focused on working off the inventory that they had, and they essentially believed that we as an industry were going to come to a a much slower version of what we would typically see in the spring selling season. Lumber mills shut down. Um, developments, land development, land development activity either stopped or plans for new development were put on hold. And, you know, manufacturers were cutting back not only because of what they felt was a projected housing slowdown, but they also started to begin getting hit by COVID within their own plants, It started to hit the manufacturer's floor. So actually, once everybody realized things were not going to slow down as much, that still continued to plague the manufacturers of durable goods throughout 2020. And even now, as I'm talking to you here in early April of 2021, in May of 2020, we started to see this activity heat up. We started to see buyers coming out in droves looking for new housing. There wasn't any real existing inventory on the market um, Homeowners decided not to put their homes on the market. They did not want people coming into their homes. The housing inventory level uh, dropped to its lowest it had in decades and significantly low. And so people were forced to essentially look at opportunities for new housing in the new housing, the new home market. Renters wanted to get out of anything that shared an elevator or an entry doorknob with others. We saw a tremendous amount of first-time buyers. Uh, The work-from-home population, the virtual schooling families, everybody that was kind of in the shutdown during the months of March, April, and even into May, were finding that their current home does not work well in the virtual environment. They needed a change. Um, Now that they have all the demands of people, essentially their families being in the home nearly 24-7, and the demand on the infrastructure in some of those older homes especially on the technology side, was way too much for the capacity of that home. People also found living in their current home 24-7 to be kind of unbearable. Um, conditions that they would normally tolerate during normal times were no longer tolerable, whether that was a dysfunctional kitchen, um, a lack of space, uh, lack of, of, of uh, you know mechanical equipment that was needed to essentially drive the home that they were living in. They just found that it was no longer something that they wanted to be living in. So also during this time, builders are now shifting back to more affordable housing product. They see uh, the renters that are coming out, those that are maybe moving out of urban areas into suburban areas. uh, The demand for housing was starting to spike. And what was happening is lumber mills now... Had to fire back up. They had to call people back in to begin producing. Now, remember, too, they have to operate under a new COVID protocol, which allows or doesn't allow, excuse me, for them to be able to essentially um, go back to normal production levels. So now production is slowed after being stopped for nearly 45 days, 60 days here. And now we're playing catch up with this huge demand that's coming out. By July of 2020, you know, four months. Post shutdown, the annualized new housing starts swelled to nearly one million, um, a significant amount that both manufacturing and our skilled trades uh, were not quite ready to um, to absorb, to to be able to actually execute on the amount of starts. Uh, the manufacturing capacity again had been shut down or nearly or slowed down dramatically, calling people back in. Um, still had to operate in a COVID environment. There was no additional labor force out there uh, for the industry. Um, so we're finding that during this period of going into kind of uh, the summer and into the fall, we started to see some greater fractures in not only the supply chain, uh, but the labor force. We looked at the, uh, in, in the in the lumber side, you know, this is a classic example of, of economics 101 the law of supply and demand started to take hold and lumber begins to accelerate in pricing. Lumber is a commodity. It reacts just as other commodities like uh, copper or any metals uh, would react in in a, in a supply-demand imbalance. And in late of second quarter and early of third quarter of uh, 2020, we started to see increases in lumber prices 20%, 30%. It hits a record price at that point there really wasn't any relief um, until around uh, November, around uh, mid-November. We did see lumber drop, but it was only for a short period of time and it shot right back up. By the end of November into December, lumber hits a record price again. So not only are we dealing with the, the pricing escalations on the commodity side, but we're still dealing with this ramp up in sales this ramp up and starts uh with less material for for us to to be able to build and and to capture in august of 2020 we started to see appliances becoming a problem a number of manufacturers were bringing appliance uh, manufacturing back into the united states some of it was due to the tariffs with china and others were just wanted more control over the supply chain but their plants were not fully online at this point so we found that we weren't not only not able to get the appliances themselves, we couldn't get parts to do repairs. Um, Mexico, I found out, uh, builds most of the small generators and refrigerant equipment that goes into appliances for the entire world. And they were hit with COVID and a shutdown and they, they were down for three, four weeks. So um, that made it very difficult for them, for appliance manufacturers to get, to get equipment in the fall. We had a fair amount of hurricanes move through the Gulf and knocked out a number of uh, resin plants. And and resin is in a tremendous amount of products for the housing industry. Um, There was also a fire at a plant in Texas that knocked that plant out for a while. But we find there's resin in nearly every product that we purchase for housing, whether it's an electrical box for switches on the walls, uh, plumbing tub modules was another one, And PVC piping. Uh, Those are classic examples of of product with resin. Um, But to exacerbate the situation for the lumber industry, um, floor joists and uh, engineered lumber, any engineered lumber, uh, requires resin, requires glues to produce. So now we're starting to see it difficult to get the lumber products that we need to build a home. So essentially, what's happening is our Build times are stretching. We're finding that what we what we were used to be able to do to build in roughly five months, it moved to six months very quickly at the end of last year, and is now moved to roughly about seven months. We anticipate that there's going to continue to be a supply chain challenge uh, for our industry. And again, this isn't local. This is this is a national, and it's a global issue. Um, but one of the things that we are blessed with here in our market is that we have great relationships with our supply chain. Uh, we are a, a we have a we are a builder of of size, and they want to make sure that they take care of us. And really, honestly, for the most part, they really have to the best of their ability. Um, we've been able to source all of the materials that we need, or make alternative decisions uh, on, and, and choices on other products that are more readily available. A number of manufacturers have reduced the number of products that they manufacture so they could focus on their highest volume, uh, their, their greatest level of demand of products. So a number of products um, that we've used to kind of differentiate us in the market We've shifted over to um, more of their high volume product that they produce because it, it, the other products are just, at least at this point, w- were no longer available to us. Those are starting to come back online, but very slowly. So a lot of this is shifting and changing. And even as I speak to you now here, uh, it's it's uh, this recording is April 9th of of two thousand twenty one. Um, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty out there for us, but. We continue to communicate more frequently with our manufacturing partners, with our suppliers here, both locally and regionally. And they've been done a really good job keeping us informed of any types of delays that we may uh, expect. And we want to continue to uh, over-communicate with our customers and our home buyers as to what this means to them. Um, interest rates are still phenomenal. It's a, it's a great time to buy a home. It's just taking longer to get the product complete uh, in, in in a manner that we at Tim O'Brien Homes want to deliver a home to you, much similar to how I began the start here with the the automotive industry, um, going from a 60-day order time to 180-day order time, a three-time multiple. I don't anticipate that we're going to see uh, that great of an extreme of, of, of delay in our build cycle time, but... It's impacting everything that's manufactured, everything that's built, everything that's produced, uh, both locally, regionally, nationally, globally. And we're going to continue to do our job in delivering a quality home to our home buyers and and continue the communication to make sure that you are informed of where we're at in the process and anything that... Changes. We're going to continue to create a much higher level of dialogue than we've ever had before with our buyers, and we look forward to continuing to build quality, energy efficient green homes for our consumers and uh, and into 2021 and beyond. And we really are looking forward to getting back to uh, some normalcy within our supply chain here in the next six, nine or 12 months. So thank you for listening today to our podcast on the supply chain. We look forward to continuing to working with all of you and delivering your homes and your dreams. And we really appreciate your patience during this time. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Building Sustainably podcast. For additional information, resources, and inspiration on how to build your new high-performance home, head over to timobryanhomes.com. Building for the way you live.